<laughs> All right, welcome back to the DC Yoga Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Parkinson, and we're here at the One Love Massive Studios uh, with producer Mike once again. And my guest today is the wonderful Patty Ivy, icon of DC yoga scene. Um, she's the owner of Down Dog Yoga with uh, four locations now. And uh, I guess we'll just kind of lead it in with that. Welcome, Patty. Thank you, Chris. It's fun to be here. Yeah. Um, so we were talking earlier about um, the space in Georgetown uh, and how you had um, just moved spaces um, into a, to a new space. Well, relatively recently. Yeah. Um, that first space. Tell us a little about the first space you guys opened. Was that the first studio that you opened in D.C.? Yeah, that was my first studio. That was my uh, what we call the flagship. You know, it was my baby. It was just this really charming space tucked away by the canal that um, really had that feel of um, a destination location where you could be in the whole hustle bustle of Georgetown M Street and then you walk down one little street and all of a sudden you walk into this magical space where, mm-hmm. you know, lives start being transformed. So it was, pre- it was really a hard space to leave for me. Yeah. How long had it been open? How long did you have that space? 13 years. When did that open? We opened uh, April 13th, 2003. Yeah. Wow, that's a, that's a long time in this space. That's so nice. A long time. And uh, I, I know that we left a lot of good spirits in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Was that, the, was that the first yoga studio that you owned? Yes, that was the very first one that I opened. Um, and had you been teaching? So tell us a little bit about kind of like your background. When did you, when did you first start practicing yoga? <laughs> You'll laugh when I tell you this, but probably about six months before I opened the studio. That's fantastic. So I was not a yoga practitioner. I was one of those people who ran and beat myself up at the gym and broke my body down. And um, I didn't like yoga. I didn't want anything to do with yoga because of what I thought yoga was mm-hmm. um, back in the day. And then I blew my knee out running. And so I had to have knee surgery. And the doctor said that I needed to go to yoga. And I said, yuck, I don't want to go to yoga. I hate yoga. And, um, but I went, and I went to, uh, I belonged to the Sport Club LA at the time, so I went to take a yoga class there with a wonderful yoga teacher named Kathy Cox, mm-hmm. who later on became my business partner until she decided that California life was what she was after. And she wanted to open a yoga studio. And, um, but she didn't want to do it by herself. And she tried to get me to do it with her because she knew I had had businesses before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't want to do it. So we got started simply by, she said, well, why don't you come up to Boston with me? It's where this dude, Baron Baptiste owns these yoga studios. He doesn't live there anymore, but his teachers are great. Let's just go for the weekend and take some classes. So I agreed and I went with her and that was December, 2002. Mm-hmm. And I walked into his studio, which reminded me a lot now as I look back as my first Georgetown studio. And you walk in, and there was the smell of Nakchumba incense that hit me in the face. And there was just this vibe that something was happening there. I didn't get it, but you could feel it. It was like alive energetically when you went in. And, you know, back then you, it was like you threw 10 bucks into a box, you know, and then. So it was all donation based. It was there? all donation based at the time. And then you got a poker chip that they would, you know, somebody would hand you and that's what got you into the studio and oh, a wow. little white poker chip. Yeah. And I walked into this room where there were 90 people in the room 
and it was already 95 degrees. Nothing had started, and the mats were like a half an inch apart. And so um, I got on my mat. You know, we were waiting for the teacher to walk in who was supposed to be someone else, and the door opened, and in walked Baron Baptiste. Oh. And he happened to be in, Auspicious. in town and said, "I'm." he just came into sub, and that was my destiny that day. That's pretty amazing. So my first class was with Baron. And, um, I mean, how do you beat that? I mean, it's almost like well, I'll, never, I'll never take another yoga class again. That's how I felt, <laughs> although I got to take so many more with him over the years, you know. Right. But I left that class thinking, I don't know what just happened here, but I need to do this again. And um, it was such a powerful experience. And um, I felt like somebody had opened me from the inside, flipped me inside out, scrubbed my innards, and then zipped me back up again. And if I were to look back, I'd say, wow, I was that clear and present from all the rinsing and cleansing and that powerful class that he taught. Mm-hmm. He, like, wiped the floor with us. There was, like, you know, an inch of water on the floor, you know, when we left. Yeah. So I walked right up to him, and I said, you know, um, what are your plans for expansion? And he said, well, I don't know. We're thinking about opening studios throughout the country. And I said, well, why don't you just let people do that for you? Like, why don't you form affiliations? Because we don't want to reinvent the wheel. You know, let us do your yoga. We'll promote it for you. We'll open the locations and your name gets spread. And so um, he asked me to put something in writing, like a proposal together. So I did. And that's how his affiliate program got started. So that was December 2002. Uh, we went home, Kathy and I, and um, found a space like within the next three weeks, and we were open by April 2003 and off to the races. Wow. Yeah, that's how it happened. Man, that's a great story. I mean, that's a, that really is powerful. Um, what did you, so when you walked into that first yoga class, you smelled the incense and you saw the mats, did that trigger in your mind, like, this is everything that I thought that I hated about yoga? No. It didn't. No. So, so this was a this was a this was totally opposite of like your sort of like mind's eye view of what you thought yoga was. Yeah, I had yeah. no idea that that's what yoga could be. Yeah. What What did you think yoga was like when you were sort of when you were at the gym and you were running and you were weightlifting, you were beating yourself up? What did you thought? What did you think yoga was, or what was your conception at the time of what you thought yoga was? Well, I had taken one yoga class years prior because a friend of mine was dating a yoga teacher, so he paid me to go to her class. <laughs> that's pretty nice i'd like to get paid to go to yoga class he was (laughs) like would you just go and take her class i'll pay you and i was like ah do i have to and he's like please i said okay and so um you know it was not at a studio because there really weren't any studios around dc back then uh, other than maybe john schumacher's um unity woods and so it was a lot of like lying on the floor breathing and people just shouting out sounds and and you know moaning and the teacher singing and um wow so that's what i thought yoga was right and so i want i just didn't want anything to do with that you know it wasn't my thing um and so when i went into his class and and got to take this power yoga and have somebody speaking to transformation the whole time in the room like it's just something that it blew my mind Mm -hmm. and in that heat you know, so awesome. Yeah, isn't it? I love a good sweaty yoga class. It's so nice. I actually, when I when I took class this morning, uh, at your studio, I I walked in. and I was like, it's not that hot in here. 
you know, and it was like it kind of like tricked me. And then about like five minutes into class, I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Here I am again, looking at that puddle of sweat at my feet. Cause I don't, I don't, you know, I don't get the opportunity to take heated classes that often in my mm-hmm. job. We don't, we have a heated studio at the yards right now. The heat doesn't really work. Uh, and when it did, it wasn't that hot. And right. the only other place in DC that I knew of uh, to take heated yoga was Studio DC. Right. Um, and so, like, once I saw that stream of sweat come off my forehead, I was like, it was sort of like, sort of a great. It is Great yummy feeling inside. It is tricky because yeah. it's combined with the humidity. And then if you have a teacher like Jim who was teaching this morning, you know, and you know how to teach really good breath work, like yeah. look out. Because the thing about Baptiste and the heat is that heat is used as a tool. It's not just about turning the thermostat up. You know, right. you can turn it up at times just to bring the heat up in people's experience, you know, mm-hmm. so that they come up against their edge a little bit more. But there's a lot more to um, what it means to teach um, heated yoga, hot yoga, than just a dial going up and down. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about that because one of the things that I found really interesting this morning, uh, I haven't encountered it that frequently, or should I say that frequently done well, was the ability, it was almost like choreographed breathing, Mm -hmm. what he was getting us to do. Right. In other words, like it was, you know, a lot of teachers will teach you breathe in, breathe out without really being aware of what actually, how long a breath actually lasts. Correct. Um, and the way he was doing it was really sort of mindful in the way that you could breathe that way and you didn't feel like you were hyperventilating. Correct. Uh, and I think that's true. Like I notice with even newer teachers that I'm training, they're saying breath in, breath out, inhale, exhale, but they're not breathing with it. They just become words. And so the true teaching of the breath has a lot of parts to it and the ability for one, the teacher to be comfortable holding people, mm-hmm. you know, um, and letting people be uncomfortable, like holding them at the end of that, you know, the bottom of the exhale, the top of the inhale, which is where the experience really happens. So like the slowing people down so that Jim happens to have, you know, a very big torso so he can take in a lot more breath for himself, you know, and, and an exhale out where, I can teach very good breath work, but it might move a little bit faster, but mm-hmm. I'm just teaching the pranayama a little bit faster, but I'm still giving you that full inhale, full exhale, pause at the top, pause at the bottom, which gives you that experience that you're talking about. Yeah, and it really gets you to, um, I guess you'd be mindful in a way that uh, a lot of practices aren't um, with that pause. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very, um, it's a very powerful tool if you use it properly in class yeah i mean it gives you the insight it gives you an opportunity to see how we're always looking to rush to the next thing mm-hmm. you know that we, we're, we're like okay what's next rather than just being right here so there's the opportunity for that and you know baron used to say years ago that that's where you know the bottom of the breath or the top of the breath where all thoughts suspend and that's the meditation right because a lot of times people will say oh well baptiste doesn't teach anything about meditation or whatever but we do but it's inside the sequence and how we're moving people through that experience yeah so talk maybe a little bit more about that um so how how do you relate sort of that aspect of yoga in such a physically demanding class so i think it's just a different philosophy and way in with people that the baptiste practice takes So, um, you know, we can go to a number of wonderful yoga classes throughout the city 
and the intention is different and the focus is different, right? And so many classes you can go to and it can feel very off-center driven and just focused on that. Uh, or another could be meditation driven and it's just focused on that. Mm -hmm. um, Baptiste focuses on all of those things. So it's really considered asana, inquiry, and meditation, right? And the asana and the meditation piece bring you into the self-inquiry, and the self-inquiry opens up through the being taught through such a challenging practice, mm -hmm. right, where we really get to see ourselves. And then uh, in addition to that, how at least back in the day when I was training, you know, uh, with Baron, um, it was speaking to um, not just the yoga, but speaking to life. Like we were speaking to transformation and what that looks like in our everyday lives like what's relatable what's actually happening we're not talking about a philosophy or a history of yoga that most people can't understand or relate to we're talking to them about like what's happening right here right now and how what we're doing in this room is giving us life skills to practice outside of this room so mm -hmm. it's a different approach that we're taking um, we're teaching more to a psychology then we are all of those components and just letting those other things land inside of the physical practice. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, we talked a little bit before the show about how in a lot of ways this is, this is self-realization that people have to do on their own. Yes. In other words, this isn't, this isn't a seminar where the teacher is telling them how to think it's no. the teacher laying out the class and then the students having the experience. <clears throat> and it's really up to the student to make those if there are going to be changes to make those changes or realizations to have those realizations. Yeah. Right? We're just there to hold space for that. Like yeah. we're the teacher is the container for a transformation to occur. Now I, I will say that in the methodology and in how we're trained, um, that is spoken to. So as an example, you know, um, if you're teaching a 60 minute class, or a ninety-minute class, or a seventy-five-minute class. Of course, back in the day, they were all ninety minutes. Which Is that I, right? Which they I were personally all miss. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Wouldn't that that would be a dream if all yoga classes could be ninety minutes? I take ninety-minute classes yeah. all week long. Yeah. It's like you know maybe one hour, but you know one one-hour class. But ninety minutes—that's it for me. You know, but I'm an old-school girl. You know? I, so I love that too. I it's so hard because when I when I do my class schedule at Vita, all my students they're like, Chris, why don't you teach for like seventy-five minutes or like ninety minutes? And I'm like. Because I have to have a bar class and I have to have a Pilates class and I can't do it because it'll take up the whole evening and I, I just can't do it financially, but I would love to. Yeah, they're awesome. <laughs> uh, but we speak to, like when I train, you know, and work with my teachers that you've got 60 minutes to cause something to happen in this room, right? And so there's tools and, and methodologies and things that we use inside of the classroom to train them of like, how they're speaking, how they're moving, how you, they're using the tone of their voice, where they're putting emphasis um, to guide people toward an opportunity for a breakthrough to happen. Mm -hmm. But Baron always taught us that, you know, um, if people don't get yoga, the yoga will get them. Just give them a good, strong physical practice. You can't miss out on the yoga if you're doing that. You know, you can't go in there just t talking about it. Move them, move their bodies, yeah. move them, and it'll come to them. And that's that's how it transformed me, you know. So some people can come in through the door the other way around, but that didn't work for me. You know? Yeah, I'm I'm sort of in the in the same same boat as you. I was a long 
long sufferer of my own creation at yes. gyms. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, running and doing, I did triathlons, I did weightlifting and what I didn't realize was the whole time I was just increasing my own aggravation mm-hmm. and then all the aggressive things that I were do I was doing was just increasing my own propensity for aggravating myself. And, um, so I, I, I totally understand that point. Yeah, of view. Same thing with me. I mean, I was just going through life, kicking down doors and not, you know, I mean, I wasn't looking at life that way, but I would just be in the space all the time of feeling like, um, uh, I had to work much harder than I really did, you know, and, uh, even now, you know, all these years later, um, I see, you know, I'm shifting into a very different space. And for me, it's like, all right, um, my biggest transformation over the past couple of years has been getting really clear about how good I've been at doing Mm -hmm. and driving, driving, driving. And I don't want to be that person anymore like now i'm moving into okay what does it look like to have a life where i can just be in my being you know mm-hmm. and trust that everything else is going to fall into place mm-hmm. you know so so when you so when you first opened the studio you hadn't trained with baron yet that was just you were just going into it as um as a business partner as a so yeah so i took that one class with baron yeah. i had not trained with him um i was not going to teach my, oh, so you had no no designs on teaching. I had at no all. designs on teaching. Oh, okay. No, as a matter of fact, it was kind of funny when my partner would teach. You know, I would check in everybody at the front desk, and then I'd lock the door and I'd go for a run. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's uh, great. I'm no, going nowhere near the yoga. I'm yeah. going nowhere near the yoga. Yeah, yeah. I don't get it. I don't want to do it. It's okay. I mean, I did do it. I did a class here and there, but I didn't get it yet. You know, right. the yoga didn't get me yet. Um. I went to a level one training with Baron in May of 2003 in Mexico. And there were 150 people there. He was famous for his boot camps, you know, where uh, you would have two practices a day that were anywhere between three to five hours. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Brutal. Yeah. And I was not in shape for that, you know. Um, And when I left there, I said, well, I'm just going to go to that so I can understand what it would like, what, who yoga teachers are, how do you hire them, what do they look like, right. how do you recognize one, you know. Um, and when I left there, I was like, I'm never going to teach yoga. I don't, I don't like it, you know. Um, After the training, that's what you're kind yeah, of like, tell like, us. yeah. And Baron really took me on. I mean, from day one, this is why he's my teacher. I was so grateful for him because he was so hard on me, and I needed that. You know, um, he took me on in front of 150 people and he's like, so how did you get into the yoga business? Cause it doesn't work that way. And I was like, what is he talking about? You know, and he wanted to walk me through how you come in and you do work exchange first and then you become an assistant and then you, maybe if you get lucky five years later, you start teaching. Paying your dues. Yeah. But I didn't know that. No one told me. How would I know? So yeah, he took me on in front of 150 people to kind of, you know, school me mm-hmm. and, um, I allowed myself to be schooled, you know, which is, that's one thing I'm, I'm very open to, you know? And, uh, so I didn't get it, but I stayed in the listening for that, trying to understand it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, our relationship, I would say for the first 10 years was that kind of dance. It was, you know, him smacking me down and me going, pushing your buttons. Oh, big time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, at trainings kicked holes in the wall, you know, cried, but I always knew that he wouldn't be saying something if it weren't true. Or good for you or helpful. Yeah, 
yeah, like I knew he really loved me. Yeah. That's why he was doing it. And so I was I was really willing to be in that kind of mentorship. And I'm really grateful that I did. But I still came home, you know, I didn't want to teach. So it wasn't until my business partner, Kathy, we were about six month, months into the business. And she's like, you know what? I really hate owning a yoga business. I never, I thought I wanted to own a studio, but I don't. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to move to California with my family. And uh, so I had to learn how to teach. So that's how I started teaching, you know, and I had cue cards behind my back I would hold with the poses. Behind your back? Yeah. So, you see at the so top I wouldn't of class forget. Or... Yeah. That's fantastic. I had all the sequences broken out and I would have them behind my back. Um, and, it, <laughs> and so like when everybody's doing triangle I'm facing like, one way, you're, you're all, bo- you're behind them looking at your card at the cues. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And then I would stand in that empty room and just teach a whole class out loud by myself, you know, watching the clock, mar- making sure I was hitting my markers and things like that Mm. um and so i self-trained you know i trained myself to teach um but i never really uh you know wanted to teach yoga Mm -hmm. and the thing that was challenging about that for me is that because i wasn't really um you know um a practitioner yet and i didn't understand the impact of a daily yoga practice and the transformation that was on offer as a possibility. Um, owning a studio when a when the yogi person leaves, yeah, and then all of a sudden I'm teaching and owning and dealing with a very different breed of personality. Um, I did a lot of my growing in the public eye, and that was challenging. Yeah, because I made a lot of mistakes, you know, that were public, and um, and it's all good. You know, we all yeah, thank journey, God for that, right? Thank God for that, you know, yeah. and uh, it's just what my journey was, but it was a very different one for sure. That's incredible. Yeah. That's cool. So tell us a little bit about Baron, like what kind of guy he is. Wow. Uh, from your own experience. Yeah. Well, you know, Baron, uh, he's, cause he's, to me, he's just that guy doing crow pose on journey into power. <laughs> It's a ridiculous picture. Come on, it yeah, is. Yeah, but he was in his thirties then. It's a ridiculous picture. I mean, the guy is—it's so aggressive. <laughs> so if you went and you practiced with Baron, right? Um, it's so not that, right? And he's well, the, that's what makes it funny, right? He's that's the guy. Me anyway. yeah. He's the guy. You know, Baron was an Ashtangi. Uh, yeah, and so. And his his dad or something was one of the first yogis in his, to come to the U.S. or something like that, or to learn. His father was Mister America. Is that right? Or Mister Universe? One of those. Okay, things. yeah. They owned a center in San Francisco. Yeah, he was a bodybuilder. A health center. Okay. His mother was a belly dancer. His father was a bodybuilder, and so Baron, you know, he was doing yoga from like age nine. Yeah. Um, and then of course he had all these master yogis from India coming in and out of his house. He grew up with that, you know. Yeah. It's sort of like my heritage is, you know, spaghetti and meatballs. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Barons is yoga. Right. You know, um, and so he started out. Um, he was a coach for the um, the yoga coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. Ah, okay. And then he was approached by. I don't know which one, but one of the Kennedys who mm-hmm. wanted him to open a studio in Cambridge. And that's how he ended up opening his first studio in Cambridge, Mass. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he, it, when you practice with him, you know, he's a strong, he's like a brick building. Yeah, I mean, he looks like he's a, he's a bull. I mean, he's... He's yeah. a bull, yeah. you know. Um, but he's the guy with like six blocks around him and, you know, cause he's had so many injuries and there's such a gentleness about his practicing. 
he's not that guy flying into crow, kicking up into handstand. Mm-hmm. If he's doing any of that, it's like it's like a butterfly floating. His he he's so um you look at him in poses and it's the distinction of looking at an asana pose and then what a pose looks like when it's embodied with a deeper spirit. Yeah, grace. A lot of grace. He's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Back in the day when I started training with him because he was in his 30s and he was still going through a lot of his own, working through his own life stuff, um, he used that to fuel his classes, which is what made him so powerful. His classes were fiery as hell, mm-hmm. you know, and taking people on the room. And, you know, um, I mean, my God, if he decided to get on a rant, you know, he'd leave you in frog for 45 minutes, you know, or in a 40 or in a forward fold for 30, 35 minutes at my level two training. Everybody's right. like crying, you know, um, and it was. So well, what do you rant about? Oh, my God. Anything. You know, uh, we had a little thing happen at our. Like level. how he can't get like a, a good kosher deli pickle or something like that. <laughs> like, I mean, what is, what is... No, about life stuff. <laughs> right, you know, okay. you people are a bunch of neophytes, you know, that kind of thing. Right. You need to grow up. How are you ever going to be a yoga teacher? You'll be nothing but asana teachers. You'll never be a yoga teacher. You might as well just go teach at a gym. You know, it was that kind of stuff. Right. Um, it was how he was taking us on, you know, with um, trying to turn us into mature yogis who were you know, opening our eyes to things that were bigger than our little, wah, wah, you know, right. complaining and griping and um, little rubs that we would get, you know, somebody complain about one of his things being too expensive and, you know, so he could get off, you know, but powerful messaging. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's really, there's a real sense that he was doing it with a, a purpose, not that he was just like complaining like a madman. No, 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 never. No, yeah. no. Everything he did was from intention and everything he did was to um, really revolutionize what yoga was by bringing that kind of speak into the classroom mm-hmm. um, and have impact, you know? And so when I say, you know, you got 60 minutes, 90 minutes to cause a transformation, that's what he was doing. He was like, opening up that space into a much bigger conversation because that's how we were trained. You know, like he would say, um, anybody can teach warrior one. Like, what are you actually doing to make an impact on humanity? You know? And so that's how it was always brought to us that, um, there's a much bigger conversation that's going on in the classroom and the poses are really just what we give people to do to keep them busy mm-hmm. while we're, while we're bringing them through this, you know, um, um, transformational opportunity, you mm-hmm. know, for things to shift. So, yeah, like my, um, <coughs> one of my, uh, one of my teachers, Brian Kess likes to say, you, uh, you give them what they came for and then you just slip it in. That's it. And he and Brian are very much alike. Yeah. You know, and they used to hang out back in the day. I'm sure. I'm, I'm <laughs> sure. I would. I would have loved. I've been there on a Friday night with those right? two guys when they went out. Yes. Um, <laughs> but now Baron's different. You know, he's he's older and um, he's got grown kids, and there's this really beautiful, um, softer side to him now. Like I feel like he's landed in a space where he's uh, really good with where his life is and he's made peace with, you know, all the things that were giving him conflict that yeah. charged that fire to help him be such a powerful teacher. Yeah. But he's one of the most brilliant asana teachers out there, I believe. Like I've never seen anybody move the energy body like he can. Mm-hmm. So when you, do you remember your first yoga class that you taught? The chance? one with the cards behind my yeah. back? 
Well, no, but I, so I just assumed you did that for like the first couple of times you taught. No, that was the first. The first that time. was well, I did do it a, a few times because okay. I kept trying to figure out why my classes were ending fifteen minutes early. So, I had to <laughs> <laughs> so the first yoga class I taught obviously was at my own studio, yeah. and it was months after the studio had opened, and um, Kathy was getting ready to move. And so she said, you know, she wanted this plan for me. And she's like, okay, so I'm going to go in and I'm going to start the class and I'll get them in down dog and then move them through integration. And then you just walk in and, you know, I'll she's be like your hype person. Is that right? right yeah. Like I'll, you know, I'll be talking and then I'll just stop talking and then you just start talking. And so no joke. I opened the door like five times <laughs> and I'd walk in and I'd say, no, I can't do it. And I would close the door and go back in the lobby. Timid as a mouse. I'm so shy. Hard to believe. I, for me to stand up in front of a group is so hard. Yeah. And so it was great for me because I had to really learn how to be vulnerable. It took years, but I've gotten there. Um, and so she finally came out of the lobby and she's like, dude, <laughs> you know, it's now or never. Right. Like, let's go. I'm not going to abandon you, you know. So that was my very first um, yoga class. Yeah. How long did it take before you really started to enjoy teaching? You want me to be really honest? Yeah, of course, absolutely. Um, or do you still do? Do you enjoy teaching now? I do. Okay. But I only I only teach once a week. You know, like I I really love coming in and teaching a powerful transformational class. You know. You can put all your energy into that one class. Yeah. It's great, right? Yeah. Um. I'll be honest, I would say, if I was going to say completely enjoy for all the different reasons, it's not that I didn't have classes that I enjoyed prior. I'm going to say year 10. Yeah. I think it was year 10 when I finally got, wait a minute, this isn't about me. This is about them. This is awesome. Because new teachers for so long stand up there and they're so attached to the outcome. Yeah. And and the concern for looking good um and we're stripping back pieces of that one class at a time but i think it was like that moment where like wow wait a minute oh my god there's people out there i'm here for them yeah and that's when i really um was able to start softening as a yoga teacher like because for many many years i was just like bring it kill them hurt them you know and i didn't want to hurt them but you get my point totally I was misinterpreting what it was. Um, and so now I can actually just go in and know the power of um, letting the practice speak for itself. Mm -hmm. I don't really have to do anything but to speak it's to big weight I, off your shoulders. Then, yeah. Isn't it? And I can just go in now and speak to what I know has been true for myself and how the practice, not like I know what to be true for them, but I know what's true for me and how it changed my life. And I can share that in my speak in the classroom and help everyone else find their own way and um, and um, let them know that it's okay to be messy. We don't have to get this right, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like now uh, I feel I can really go in as um, use it as a platform to land a strong message for people. Yeah. Um, so you're, how many times have you trained? Like what does Baron do? He's, does it, is it like a 200 hour training? Like, is it weeks long? Like what is the, what is so he process? does, um, uh, he does a week long training that's called, um, level one. And then he does the next layer, which is level two. And then he developed a level three. Now he's got a lot of other programs that he's doing cause he's doing a lot more, um, 
think he's got a program called Fit to Lead, mm -hmm. which is a uh, a really great program where you go into it for like a year. And if you're interested in traveling the country and doing, you know, facilitating different types of, whether it be workshops or his week-long programs, he's mm -hmm. getting other people into doing those. You could take that. Um, so because he's constantly in creation of, like level one is never the same. Like I could go to level one 10 times and I'm always going to come out with something different. Mm -hmm. So I went to level one first, then I went to level two and then Baron took my class. He was in DC. We were doing a thing and he came to take my class and I asked him for feedback and he said, you need to go back to level one. Nice. He's like, I don't Very think, cute. I don't think you get, I don't think you get the practice. And I didn't know what he meant, but I'm like, I'm going to trust him. And I went back and yeah. Really, what I did get is that I was coming at it at it from an asana angle, and I didn't understand um, what the psychology of the practice was. So, mm -hmm. so now I get to float in and out because I have such a you know long-standing relationship with him that if he's at a training, I could say, "Hey, can I come for a couple of days and just hang out and practice?" And he's like, "Yeah, come." And so I'll hear different things, and every time it's different. Yeah, because he's in constant creation. He's a really fascinating guy. Yeah. Um. So tell us a little bit about the sequence does, does that he teaches, um, does that change or is that, or is that kind of somewhat been the same since you started practicing? Yeah. So, um, it can change, right? So he's got, uh, uh, the, what's called journey into power sequence, mm -hmm. which is a standard sequence that goes from sun salutations to what's a warrior series, which is your crescent lunge and all that. And then the equanimity, which is the balancing grounding, which is the triangle series. So it really the way the sequence is built um, as an intelligence is it's working its way around the physical body, mostly the hips, you know, mm -hmm. the, um, you know, the hips, the thighs, the hamstrings, the quads, all of that. Right. Uh, because it's it's not that we work on peak poses. We don't. But we all know that things are leading to the back back bends right and mm -hmm. to wheel where everything opens up energetically in the um, nervous system and then we start to you know come back down from there so it's um it's a well-rounded sequence be and um inside of that you can shift things right so what you know we would never take like sun a's and put them in in the middle of class or not start class with sun a's like that kind of thing right you know um, but there's room to play inside of each sequence. And um, and that's where the fun can be once you really get the practice. And But what's encouraged is that we're not playing with asana and sequencing just for the sake of playing with asana and sequencing. That anything that we're doing, we should be doing to cause an energetic shift in the room. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very intentional of like why you would do what you're doing, not just like, well, okay, that was fine, but like, why did we do, you know? So instead of basically, instead of having a series of peak poses or one peak pose, what you're having is basically a series of peak energies. Correct. In a certain way or another. Yeah. 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 So it leaves people feeling um, really complete at the end of class. You know, by the end of the class, really what we're looking for people to feel is that they are rinsed, renewed, and complete. <laughs> That's a nice word for it. Yeah. Um, and is that sort of, is that, so that's the model he has, and that's the model you teach yes. then at, at Down Dog as well. Yes. Yeah. We've changed it a little bit now um, to meet where we are in today's um, market. 
And so the sequence is the same, but now, you know, we used to call all of our classes all levels, which right. was standard. You know, Brian Kess does that still, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I, I wanted to start introducing people to a little bit of meditation. Um, you know, I, for years, we never played music at the studios and I could care less about having music at the studios, but people want it. And for, for newer people, it could ease them in. Um, and so we've started to sprinkle some of that, but again, very intentionally, you right. know, of why we're doing it. Um, and so like we have now our standard flow. So we, you know, we call our standard Baptist practice, the flow. The flow. The yeah. Flow. That, that's the one I took this morning. Yeah. 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 Um, and what are some of the other, what are some of the other offerings? So we have flow plus meditation. Um, so that would be the standard flow. And in either the beginning or the end of class, there'll be a 10 to 15 minute meditation, mm -hmm. um, which has worked beautifully. Like, Isn't that awesome? Yeah. So happy. I mean, like, like honestly, I, I would have actually thought it would have been the opposite that you would be getting rid of meditation because no one would go. No. Well, we, you I know, think that's fantastic. That, we that wanted, that's how we tested it out, yeah. you know? So we started out by, we redid our website and we put a free podcast when people sign up of a meditation mm -hmm. um, with one of our teachers, Sid McNary, and he's a powerful meditation teacher. And so is Jim. Uh, and then, you know, I'd love the idea of putting some meditation classes on the schedule. But most people won't go. It freaks them out. Right. So we're like, well, let's just start putting it into the classes just a few and see what happens. Uh, and in the beginning, people were like, I don't know. I don't know if I want meditation. You know, I just want that hard workout. But now they're seeing, like, if especially when the flow is taught right and it's challenging, you're like, oh, my God, thank God we're sitting in meditation, you know. And then they're in a space where uh, the practice has rinsed them so thoroughly that they could be in listening for that. Yeah, know? like that's the, that's the thing that always confuses me is that when people get up after yoga class and they run outside to grab their mat and leave and I'm like like this morning I was like the last person to leave the room and I, I was looking around I'm like where did everybody go like like didn't we just do like this awesome like can't I just stay with this feeling uh, for a little bit that's part of the teaching and you on know? Saturdays you get a lot of weekend warriors and they're newer yeah. right so they just don't know yet yeah. And I want to be able to let them find their own way. And I'd rather have that's them so coming cool. than not coming. Yeah. No, know? but I mean, that's so cool that you give them that, that 20 minutes, that half hour to kind of just sit with that. It's really, that, it's that rebirth, great. right? It's yeah. been really great. So I'm really happy with those. Um, and I'd like to add a few more now that people are really looking for those and craving those. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we've added some fun ones that are like called, um, core beats and that has music in it. Uh, but it's focused on, you, know, you could take the same um, practice, but it's focused mo mostly on core movements mm -hmm. and balance, you know, yeah. so it becomes really fun and a really good workout, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and then we have some yin and um, yoga nidra now, which people are loving too. Those are packed. And that's been interesting because for years, especially in our Georgetown studio, mm -hmm. we were packed with college kids and all the power classes. Now they're coming to the slow flow. Yeah. And yin classes and the, and the and the straight up yin and yin nidra because they're so stressed and tired. Yeah. So that's been a beautiful shift to watch. That's great. I think yeah, that's actually that. fantastic that the that younger students are going to that because I me too. I always think of like my own practice is mostly yin at this point, mm -hmm. like mostly deep stretching and mostly trying to do my own meditation while I'm stretching. 
right? right. Focusing on the muscles in my body and feel, focusing on the sensations in my body. I find that that's, for me, really calms me. Um, but I always looked at that as like, that's the place where you get to after you beat the shit out of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like, and so it's good to see like students, like younger people. Oh know, no, it's that. really exciting, yeah. you know, because I have a lot of them that come through, um, my classes and teacher training and, and their stress levels and the anxiety and the depression and, uh, is, is rampant, especially among, among the younger girls. And, mm-hmm. but we have a lot of guys, a lot of the college guys are coming too. So it's really exciting to see that. At first I was like, where are they all? They all used to be in power, but now they're like, nope, we're going to come here and just like, because then it helps them sleep when they go home. Yeah, I mean, I when I was in college, you, 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 I, yoga, come on, give me a break. Like you, I was sort of like, no. no. <laughs> no. It's, like, it's like being on the diving team in high school. Like, come on, who's on the diving team? Who's on the diving Who plays water polo? <laughs> exactly. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, so tell us a little bit about your, uh, your teacher trainings. They, they, do you lead them mostly or is it uh, senior students or senior faculty who does it? So up until, um, last year I led every single one of them. So I've done yeah. like probably 25 of them myself. And, uh, now, was that rewarding for you? It was for a long period of time. Yeah. Not anymore. You know, um, and I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just that my interests are, are shifting, no, yeah. you know, and um, I have such really great teachers now who are ready to step into that. So why do I need to hog that for myself? Mm-hmm. You know, it's so like Jim is, you know, he's been teaching for 10 plus years. He's a Baptiste, you know, considered a Baptiste, you know, masterful teacher, you mm-hmm. know, and um, a lot of people that are ready to sort of, you know, uh, take take on a lot of the stuff that I was doing. So that's great. And then I like to go now to, I'll participate, but I like to go and do the um, leadership talks and, Mm -hmm. you know, the empowerment pieces at the training. I'm not really, and it's interesting because I was a massage therapist for years. So I used to love to do the asana and teaching the anatomy and all of that. And no interest in teaching any of that anymore. You know, I'm, I'm interested in helping people elevate themselves to the next level of who they can be in the world you know mm-hmm. so that's the piece i like to go and take on how many times do you guys do it a year we do a 200 hour twice a year we do one in the fall and then one in the spring this year we're trying something new we're having a, um, a 100 hour immersion teacher mm. training in mexico just to see what yeah. what that's like so jim will be leading that and then i'll show up and do a, a little bit of that too yeah yeah That'll be how long is that going to be? Is that a week? No, yeah, two it's weeks, a week. A week. Yeah. yeah. Have you done uh, retreats in the past? We've done a lot of retreats yeah. in the past. Where uh, did you usually go? Was there a place that you guys all went? Well, you know, I love Mexico. Who doesn't? And and um, so we go to. Um, we recently started going to Maya Tulum, which mm-hmm. is where I did all of my trainings with Baron. It used to be hard; you couldn't get a you couldn't get a week there, mm-hmm. especially the weeks you wanted. They're like, yeah, you can come in the middle of June. Like, who wants to be in Mexico in June? That's or right, July? three years from <laughs> now. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh, I remember going in May and being eaten by mosquitoes. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, we also go to this really wonderful place on the west coast of Mexico, 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 called Haramara. No, no, I haven't heard of it. It's in a small old fishing town called Sayulita. Mm-hmm. And it's just really beautiful, 
resort that uh, resort's not even the right word retreat center that a woman designed years ago like she bought the land and then li- built a tiny house for herself and then just lived on the land for nine years to get a feel for the land and the energy mm-hmm. and then started to build from there like casitas up into the cliffs and you know yeah. um, amazing so we go between the two we have been to coast i haven't been to costa rica but one of uh, two of my teachers did a retreat in costa rica for us last year mm-hmm. and um you know, we're looking at some other, I'm, I'm actually interested in getting into some more local retreats mm-hmm. um, and weekend retreats because I think it's easier for people. Yeah. You know, and um, I think there's something to be said about an impact that can be had when you get people out of their everyday lives, which is why retreats are cool. Uh, and not everybody can get away. And so, but they can get away for a weekend, you know, mm-hmm. a Friday night through Saturday, Sunday. So we're going to dive a little bit into that and see what happens. And we're having our first um, women's empowerment retreat this November, um, the 3rd through the 10th that I'm leading. Um, oh, cool. Where's that going to be? That's in Haramara on the Haramara. West Coast. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Are you guys going to be doing yoga down there, or is it just going to be like a leadership type? So we will be doing yoga. The focus will not be on power yoga. There'll probably be like a regular power yoga class in the morning. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of focus on um, meditation, and there's going to be a lot of focus on conscious conversation um, uh, around uh, different topics for women. Yeah. What? So... Is there a style of meditation or is there a school of meditation that you belong to or a type that you teach or kind of tell us a little bit more about like if I were to come to a meditation class with Patty, like what would I get Oh gosh. So I I am not proclaiming to be any like pro at teaching meditation. You know, um, so I'm somebody like, and I think you'll get a sense of this if you come and take my class in the, in the, how I teach in the classroom. Um, I like to give people very fundamental uh, macaroni and cheese kind of teaching that is relatable that anybody can do. So um, because it's just something that comes naturally to me, like, you know, I could be somebody that just talks about closing your eyes and breathing and then I just start speaking Mm -hmm. and I'll speak about different things in life and what we connect to and then just let people sit and be quiet. Just a lead meditation then type thing. Yeah, just a lead meditation, Mm -hmm. you know. I mean, I'm still somebody who, you know, uh, falls on and off the meditation wagon. You know, I'm just one of those people. You know, I'm not like an old soul. I've sort of tripped through life, you know. Right. And I like that about myself because I feel like it makes me really relatable and and gives other people permission to be like, oh, you know, like it's not, it doesn't look, have to look a certain way. I can just go in and be myself. Yeah. And I think that that has been a big life lesson for me is to, really learn that it's okay to just be me you know yeah absolutely um you said when you guys go down to do you actually go to the resort maya tulum when you're in tulum yeah really yeah see i've been there before too yeah that's where we stay i love it there we'll be there in february it's so nice there isn't it you should come that one's not i know right (laughs) (laughs) i have my own retreats to lead patty oh gosh okay (laughs) well maybe i'll come to that i know exactly get a break um yeah, no, I love the um, the big studio that they have down there with the big thatched roof and like the the. That's um, where I did my training. Oh, it's so good. Oh, that's what you did with Baron. That's awesome. That's where I did. That's where I did mine with Brian. It was no in that, that same. That oh same yeah, big, he does go there. Yeah, he goes. He actually he actually switched. He now goes to Amansala, Amansala. Which, is, which is right next door. But I think that was the first year in like 
20 years that he didn't go to Maya Tulum. Yeah. Um, but I love I love that place. By the way, there. the last year when we were at Maya Tulum, that was the talk of the resort that Brian Kest like was Oh, going. really? He was going somewhere else? <laughs> like, yeah. Why why did I well, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know why he moved, but I, um the last time I was down there, did they have the problem with the seaweed when you were down there? Yes. So there was the seaweed on the beach and you couldn't go on the beach and it was Well, we could go on it. Um, we well, could go on they, it, but you really couldn't go in the water and you really couldn't Not like, right in the front of the resort you yeah. couldn't. No. But you know, you'd go down a 5-minute walk and you could go in the water. To me yeah. it just wasn't that big of a deal, you know. I yeah. mean, the land is so magical there. It it is. And I want yeah, I love the food down there. And the people that work the resort. People are great. They're like family, you know. I walk in yeah. and they st- they still call me a plumpman, you know, Miss Potty. They open their arm, you know, yeah. cuz they saw me from the fir- day one, 2003, with Baron, you know, and he still goes there too. So yeah. it's like going home. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about your other studios now. My other studios. So why did you decide you were like, all right, one's just not enough. Like, I want to open more studios. Like, what was kind of the impetus for, for expanding out to other communities? It's so funny. I just told this story to somebody yesterday. Um, I had a very difficult landlord at my first Georgetown studio. and um, at every turn, they were just on all of our tenants, all the tenants about something, you know. And, you know, we were stellar and paying, our, like, we gave them no trouble. Mm-hmm. But I just had this sense where I felt like, gosh, you know, I've got, I'm sort of, my fate is held in the hands of a cranky person that mm-hmm. at any moment they could just put me out of business just like that. And so, honestly, that was the only reason I opened another studio. I was like, I, I should have two studios just in case something like that happens because yeah. this is how I make my living, you know? So then I opened um, Bethesda, and um, that was like an instant smash. And um, after that, it really, you know, I never wanted to expand outside of the local market. I had opportunities for that. Uh, I didn't want to go national. I had opportunities for that. I really liked being local. And I really was interested in just, you know, I think I really got that when I hit Bethesda. You know, you went into this one little pocket of community that had a vibrant, like the way I used to pick locations and still would if I were going to open anymore. Mm-hmm. Um is I would just get in my car and drive and let the energy hit me. I'm like, oh, I'm going to open a studio here. And that's how I would know. And then I would just wait until I could find Come a Come on, space. like a divining rod? Yeah, you just so, like, seriously. Really? So the stu- Georgetown studio now, you know, I used to, because I live a few blocks away, and every time I'd walk past that building, I would think, I'm going to have a yoga studio there one day. There's just something about this place I'm going to have. And that's how I pick locations. Um, so that's why I did that and then really just wanted to um, open up opportunities for communities to experience Baptist yoga. Yeah. And so that's why I did that. And um, there was really no grand business plan or scheme. It was pretty organic. Yeah, I never did a business plan. I'm not that person, you know. Right. (laughs) I just kind of fly by the seat of my pants and, you know, trust yeah. Trust my destiny. When you were first started teaching, how many like what's the how how many classes a week were you teaching? Gosh, it changed a lot, you know, because I would hire teachers. So I I think in the beginning I taught about eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were times I taught as many as sixteen, yeah. um, but it would fluctuate. But I never enjoyed that, you know. It was good for me because um, 
you know, the practicing of that skill happens, but it's not something that I really loved doing, you mm -hmm. know. So I'd say, yeah, anywhere from 8 to 16 and probably more 8 on a regular basis for a long period of time until I started to get teachers trained well enough where there weren't that there wasn't that much distinction between me and the other teachers right. you know so that if i could get them up here it wasn't like oh you know here's what it's like to take patty's class and then you go to so-and-so's class and it's here it's like i was elevating them up mm -hmm. because really it's never been about the teacher the baptiste style is not about the teacher you know we were always trained that it's um you know we should blend into the background and and put the practice on the forefront you know but they right. still have to have skill you know right do you, do you, so you said, I mean, we were talking earlier before we went on air about you practice six times a week? I practice a minimum six times a week. And yes. do you, is that always in classes? Always. Really? You don't have, do you have a, do you have a pre home practice? No. You don't? Did no. you ever? No. You're smiling now. You, you look like you want to say something about that. I don't that. want to practice at home. I, I, <laughs> I love being in the trenches with yeah. everybody. I love my community. Yeah. And I love the energy. I've, I have no interest in practicing at home yeah. or in a hotel room. No. Yeah. Or like in front of a computer screen, like no. on YouTube at home. No, I am an all for, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm all in. I'm like, right I could in tell there. you were, you were before class, you were just chatting with everybody who walked in here. I love going in there. It lights me up. Yeah. Um, do you do anything else besides yoga? Not anymore. Um, is I, it just like, like the, the body just can't take the running or is it, or is I it just don't like, want to anymore. Don't want to. I lost, you know, an interest. Um, you know, for a while I tried to do both. And, um, you know, I, I felt like I would go for a run and it would take two weeks to get back to what it, my yoga body again. Yeah. So the, I just They're totally lost, antithetical. I just lost interest yeah. in it. You know, I, I just feel so happy on my mat. I feel so at peace. And so I think a lot of it's transitioning into, you know, age too, because, you know, I've been in this 15 years. I didn't start till I was 49. I'm about to turn 65. I'm strong as can be. But what I'm after isn't the same. I don't need that mm -hmm. much fire in my life anymore. Yeah. You know, it's not the fire that brings me to my mat anymore. It's the peace of mind, you know. So I use my legs for transportation. I just walk everywhere and I, and I practice. That's it. Yeah. That's pretty nice. It's a pretty good life. Yeah. Um, yoga injuries. Yoga injuries never. I came to yoga with injuries. Um, but Which I, ones? Uh, well, you feel comfortable talking about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, obviously I, I blew my knee out running. Right. And so yoga had to be used for rehab, you know. Um, and so that's why I started doing yoga. Um, and then I had, uh, I was a massage therapist at the time. So I had like a rotator cuff injury from massage, um, a, an SI joint injury, just a couple of, you know, I wasn't, you know, my body type is not a runner's body type. So I really beat my body yeah. up a lot, you know. So, and I would say that the biggest injury was that I had an eating disorder. And so um, I healed that and I healed how I see myself on my mat. Yeah. That's the good work right there. Amen. Yeah. Um any kind of resources that you turn to, like um, books or <clears throat> websites or anything like that, that you that you go to for like yoga, like Barron's books or like anything like that, that mm -hmm. you turn to, or is it is it mostly just a word of mouth and a practice, a daily practice for you? It's 
mostly a word of mouth and a daily practice. And yeah. then I do listen to um, anything that Oprah Winfrey is talking about. I'm listening to. She's my idol. I love her. Um, yeah, I've, I've, she was she was actually one of the uh, one of the role models I had when I started this this DC Yoga podcast. I would do anything to have lunch with her. Wouldn't that be nice? It would be amazing. She she's a she's a special woman. Yeah, um, I'm listening a lot more now to Deepak Chopra, who mm-hmm. I love, and um, one of my other teachers who I haven't mentioned and I really want to because I love him so much is Ralph Gates. Oh yeah, and so. Um, with Rolf, you know, it's not only his books where he's got like his meditations from the mat and the daily things that you could do. It's like sometimes it's like, hey, you got 15 minutes. I need to talk to you. And I get on the phone with him and it's like he's just such a wise, wise man. And mm-hmm. one thing he can say to me and one thing that he said to me years ago really shifted my life completely. Um, and so I really lean into him for that. So mm-hmm. I, I lean more into people than I do books and things like that. Yeah. No, I mean that's fantastic. Um, do you ever do you ever go to anywhere any other studios to practice yoga? No. Have you ever? Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to talk about it. I'm just interested to know whether or not like you go to like check out other studios to see what they're doing or like if you you know kind of like as a research thing. Hmm. Um. You know, I did one time. This is actually a very funny story. If we have time for Lay it, it on us, yeah. So uh, I don't normally go to check out to see what other yoga studios are doing. And I don't not go to other studios because I don't think I'm going to get what I want. Um, I just find like it's really hard for me to, as I'm sure other yoga studios owners feel the same way, to go somewhere where people don't know who I am. And, um, and so I, I, that's why I avoid stuff like that. So uh, Christmas Day, we don't have class at the studio. And um, I said to my husband, hey, let's go to a core power and let's go and try one of those sculpt classes. I've never done it. I just want to see what it's like. But we have to go one that's nowhere near our house so that we can't run into anybody that, we, that would know us. So he's like, okay. So we, we get in the car and we go all the way down to like, I don't know where they were, 14th Street, 7th Street, wherever they are around there. Mm-hmm. And we're in the lobby, you know, and you're waiting in the lobby. And my husband looks at me and he's like, okay, so far, so good. We don't know anybody in here. (laughs) And then we go upstairs. We're in the lobby and I'm looking around. I don't recognize anybody. And um, we get up to the front counter and my husband gives his name. Nobody knows who he is. And, you know, he gets his free week or whatever. And I give my name and the girl's head pops up and she goes, Patty Ivy of Down Dog Yoga. And so it just was so funny because then all of the, I said, yeah. And then all of the people that work there start yelling, it's not yoga. It is not yoga. And I'm like, that's okay. I'm not here for a yoga class. Yeah. I just came to see what it was like. So that was kind of fun because I got to go in and, you know, do this yoga sculpt yeah. class and talk to the teacher afterward. And, and she had been to my studio. And so it turned out to be just kind of a funny thing. That's awesome. But it was sort of like, oh man, caught red-handed in a yoga sculpt class. You know? <laughs> exactly. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. I said, exactly. no. I said, do not ask me to take a picture with you. It's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. You're like, by the way, we're allowed to do other things besides yoga. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah it was awesome. a little weird for the owner of Down Dog to be in a sculpt class at Core Power. You know, yeah. it was just one of those moments and it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, 
All right. Well, we got to wrap up. Uh, anything uh, you want to pitch? Any any websites? Any yoga retreats? You talked a little bit about the retreats coming up. Anything else coming up for you? Yeah. You know, I would just say we've got some really wonderful things coming up at the studio. Even with some of our, we've got a six week online meditation program that's happening with Sid McNary. Some other great workshops coming up, and then my retreat. So anyone that wants to look at the website and check it out, we always welcome anybody that wants to step in the door. Awesome. Thanks for so much for joining us, Patty. Oh, it was it's a pleasure. Having you. Thank you. Yep. All right, everybody. Uh, see you uh, next time on our episode of DC Yoga Podcast. Uh, if you want to email me with questions or comments, it's dcyogapodcast at gmail.com. Have a great day.